You're listening to the Soul Align Conversations podcast, where you can expect to hear musings or interesting conversations between myself and others sharing our soul journey. I'm your host, Connie Lee, and I'm excited to have you here. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to the Soul Aligned Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Connie Lee, and today we have a special guest, Nader Malawi. Uh, Nader Malawi is a job search coach, and he loves helping people develop the courage and knowledge to take calculated actions towards securing job interviews and landing high-paying job offers. His coaching program offers a community that supports you in overcoming the stress caused by job search job searching so that you become the happiest version of yourself. He also likes helping engineering and technology professionals make successful career transitions without wasting any time or dealing with any anxiety. Welcome, Nader. Thank you so much, Connie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited for this conversation because we're actually going to talk about workaholism. Um, I was actually supporting Nader in his business, Engineer Mission, for almost two years. And workaholism came up a lot. But I think at the time, we didn't necessarily call it that. Like, for at least for me, it was like, oh, this is just about the hustle. And we have to work hard and, and those kinds of things. And it's, it's so interesting to see how we've both shifted in that without recognizing that we both shifted. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, we like to dress it up, you know, dress it up to look good. So it, so it can make us feel okay with working extra hours. But yeah. it's just, uh, and I did that for years, like more than a decade, for sure, of just working extra, going going above and beyond what you were supposed to do, what you were asked to do. You know, while I was working in the corporate world, you know, you're supposed to do your nine to five. So how can you be a better employee? How can you shine and stand out or oh, work harder, you know, come in early, stay late. So I did that. And then later when I left and started my own business, it was just a matter of necessity. You know, so that's when the word hustle came in. So I got, you know, I got to do the hustling and bustling to, to get my business off the ground. And now that it's off the ground, I can't stop the hustling because that's what got me to float. So if I stop paddling as hard, you know, I'm going to come down. So <laughs> it just becomes a necessity. And then when you really get tired of it, uh, you know, the voices inside your head just turn that whole scenario into to what you're supposed to do, what actually is your lifeline, you know, yeah. that if, if you stop it, then your business could die. And that's, that's just a lie. Yeah, exactly. So do you feel like you reached a point of burnout? Uh, several times and that's why we got we got a dog you know as you know see him sleeping in the background uh, in 2015 so i started in 2012 2015 that's where you know let's say like just staying at home working all day uh really started to show its own show the bad bad negative results like smoking drinking on a daily basis and just really getting into finding external external solutions for the internal you know, challenges and the burnout internally uh, and mentally, you know, so mm -hmm. that's where the negative signs set in. It took me a couple of years to figure out exactly how to overcome it. Two years of just digging a hole for myself, you know, so yeah. from the outside, the business looked good. I was growing, you know, all that stuff, but internally I was unhappy. And the solution at the time was just to work more. So you're not working enough. You have to make the business bigger, you have to make more money, you have to have more clients, you have to make more sales. Okay, now you have to have a website, you have to have a better website. Now you have to get a, get an updated website. Yeah. And now you need a team because you're working so much. So now you have to have a team. And when the team came, 
Uh, you have to manage a team, you know? So it's, it's just a matter of more work, uh, but that wasn't really the solution. So, you know, finding areas, uh, finding solutions that would allow me to detach from work was definitely helpful, whether that be, you know, going for dogs walks with my dog or getting into more reading and journaling and exercising more regularly and meditating more regularly. Those are all tasks you can do for yourself. The me time, you know, mm-hmm. so you got to assign time for yourself. Then the fundamentals need to also shift as well, because you can still do all that. Like I, I did the last few years that you and I were working together, you would still be doing all that stuff and your day would just be a little bit longer, you know, yes. 12 hour days turn to 15 hour days. Sure. That extra three hours I was exercising, reading, journaling, meditating, but still a long day. you know. Yes. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's challenging. It's interesting that you say that because, so I was talking to um, my mastermind group about, I was saying that I was really struggling because I was working until like two or three in the morning, sometimes waking up at like eight and getting right back to work. And I thought like, this is, this is what happens. This is what we do to get to where we want to be. Right. There's always the quotes, about like hard work and hustling and like the, the, one who hustles the hardest wins and stuff like that. But what was happening behind the scenes. So my business was growing, just like you said, on the outside, but what was happening behind the scenes was that my daughter was like really going through this whole like transition, especially too with the whole COVID thing and um, navigating, like learning from home and not being with her friends and all the stuff. Right. And I still remember she came to me crying one day. And I was so like in the zone of like, I need to get this stuff done. If I don't get it done, people are going to be mad. So I was like, I'm sorry you're feeling this way, but I really don't have time to do that, like help you. So I like kind of gave her a hug if I even did that. And then I was like, okay, now go and find something to keep yourself busy and I'll come and talk to you later. Right. And I was telling my masterminders, mastermind people that I was feeling super guilty about this. Right. A lot of shame and guilt. And I said, like, I just couldn't pull myself away. And one of them was like, you're in survival. And anything that threatens your survival is actually a threat to your system. So your system's like rejecting all the stuff. And in survival, like it becomes a very like me first because, because like, you know, back in like the days where they had to fight for their lives, it became like me first. And, and so I didn't recognize that how dysregulated my nervous system was and how that trickled out to like my family. Right. And that's been like the biggest turning point for me was recognizing how much impact that has on myself and on others who just need me. Right. But I'm like, I, I don't have time for you to need me. And yet, right. Like it's, it's this insane yeah. cycle. It is. And it's, it's high, we're highly influenced by our societal expectations you know especially like we can get one fact out of the way here that if you're a workaholic you can be sure to know that you're a leader like leaders are prone to becoming workaholic you know you take responsibility you you take ownership and then you work your back off to to provide for your family regardless of what your position is whether you're a mom or a dad or a daughter or son doesn't really matter if you're a workaholic if you're a leader you can become a workaholic it could be a teenager who goes to school and sees you know I need to help my family and takes that 
as an initiative to work on after school projects or eliminate stand. I don't even know if they do still lemonade stands, <laughs> but that's yeah, that's how you can guess how old I am. <laughs> <You Yeah. know? laughs> so whatever it is, sell stuff on Amazon, drop shipping <laughs> for the new generation. Whatever that is, because that can turn into you know taking time away from now playing with your with your friends or you know hanging out with your with your you know with your friends at that age if you're a teenager, and that that ends up you know maybe uh, turning into a couple of years to you finishing high school and not realizing what happened you know mm-hmm. like what's wrong with me why don't I have a lot of friends. You know, so I feel like it is it is a bigger conversation, and I'm glad we're having this to find out what is really causing people to turn to work turn to working more as a solution. You know what I mean? As okay, like what are you really getting out of working just more and more? What's causing that? Let's just stop the cause rather than just telling people to stop working so much hard because that's working less is not the solution for many people, for most people. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad you brought that up. So if we rewind a little bit, how do you feel that your family's influence? Like, do you feel, for me, I know it's like very generational, right? Like if you look at through my lineage, it's like everybody worked really hard. And that was just a message that was constantly like, even if it wasn't explicitly said, like you have to work hard, although that was said in my home, but it was that my parents did just work seven days a week. I think they might have taken two to three days off in the year that was like a guaranteed day off. And other than that, they're working. So what was your family like upbringing and like kind of generational? It was exactly the same. I feel like a lot of, uh, a lot of people, I guess maybe like from our, from the age group of like, maybe like 30 to like, maybe like 50, if they're listening to this conversation and older, obviously, uh, if you're older than 30 years old, I, I, I'd, I'd bet money on the fact that you were born in an environment, in a family uh, dynamic that was moving towards working more and more and more. Like a lot of times, I, I frankly say that I don't really have a friendship type of very close relationship with my dad because he was never home. He was always working, you know? So yeah. it's like, he's our dad. Like we love him, we respect him and all that. But I don't know, like a casual conversation. Ne- I don't think I've ever had a casual conversation with my dad, you know? Mm. it's just like there are those dynamics those times they weren't present so those relationships were never made you know now I'm nearing 40 and it's like what do I talk to him about (laughs) because he's nearing (laughs) retirement so it's like the only thing we talk about is work and business and doing our taxes you know so it's like wow that's it (laughs) yeah so that that's the that's the big price you know that uh I don't know if he knows he had to pay, but ultimately, like, you know, I used to blame him for that, ended up forgiving him for that without even having a conversation to him about it, because I realized that you can't blame anyone. Like, you got to you got to be grateful for what they did and have love for them, because that's ultimately what got you to where you are right now, because resentment would only cause more negative, you know, more, more negative thoughts and more negative energy. So, and I trust that if he knew better, he would have done better. <laughs> right. Know? Yeah. If he knew better, he would have done better. So um, it's just, that's how it was. And even if it wasn't told to us to work hard, it was shown, you know, so actions spoke louder than words. And all three of us kids, like we worked ourselves down to the ground, you know, <laughs> to my yeah. brother, you know, he's going to visit therapy every day right now. He had to leave his job in, in, in the shop that he was working at. 
lifting heavy stuff. I was like, you're in your 30s. You shouldn't be lifting wow. stuff that's more than 100 pounds, <laughs> you know? Or like my sister, same thing, or, or, or me, you know? Uh, I've just taken more of a proactive approach towards, you know, purposefully work less. Now, slowly seeing the positive benefit. Yeah. Okay, so I have two questions, and I'm going to ask them both, but then we'll have to circle back. So one of them is, you said that working less isn't the solution. And then the second question is, how are you taking a more proactive approach to working less? Yeah, so I'll answer the first one first. So working less isn't because primarily out of out of 10 people, eight or nine of them are working more for more income, you know, so this is where I would just really, you know, I want to just talk about like Gary V, Gary Vaynerchuk, because he always talks about this. I've spent a couple of months being off social media, but I spent a decade being hooked on social media. And I don't know anybody besides Gary who talks about lowering your expectations and, you know, adjusting your lifestyle. So you're not spend, you, you don't need to spend as much money, you know, instead of getting that Mercedes Benz, why don't you just get a Suzuki, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, instead of getting that big mansion, why don't you just rent a small apartment for a couple of months? So there's like, I like to mention Gary's name because he's been pushing that message constantly and he's a great communicator and that's what he does as a, as an influencer, you know, so speaking of influencers, but, um, so I'm just a follower, you know, and just, I haven't, I don't talk about this often. This is the first time maybe that we're talking about overcoming workaholism, but I see that because lowering my lifestyle or, you know, you know, not not pursuing that higher lifestyle based on what other people's, you know, comparing myself with others, going after, you know, getting a better car because someone else has a better car, getting a better house because someone else has a better house, you know, upgrading my, uh, my telephone because someone else got the new Samsung S20. I was, I was born in an environment like that, you know, being an immigrant and all that. So we just didn't get new stuff all the time. So I, I didn't have to try to become that kind of person. I was molded to be that kind of person. So after when I started listening to people like Gary and just trying everything else myself, uh, I want to just take that point on that working less is not an option. I get it. We need to pay our bills. We have expenses. And sometimes working smart is we say, okay, don't work hard, work smart. Sometimes mm-hmm. working smart is just isn't even feasible. You know, it's, it's an impossibility. Like I'm doing, I'm working as hard as I can, as smart as I can. I can't work any less. I want, I, I'm willing to bet that most people are in that situation. They're already smart enough. You know, you can't tell someone who's working hard to work smart because what you're saying that indirectly where you're not smart, <laughs> you're not smart yes, enough. Yeah. Because they take it their defense. Like, no, what you're saying, am I dumb? Like, I'm not stupid. You know, if I could have done something better, I would have done it. So I don't like to tell people to work smart. Tell them to work hard without giving them a solution is also not a viable solution, you know, like you got to back it up. So um, the conversations, I haven't had many of these conversations. We're just really getting started on that. But these are the conversations I've had with myself, with my wife, families, you got to manage your own expectations. You know, you got to lower your overhead costs. And like, I literally went through it with my business. When you and I stopped working, I stopped working with all of the virtual assistants and the video editor and the marketing person and the social media manager. I was like, oh, now I can actually breathe because the big weight on my chest was I know I have to spend $5,000 at the end of this month. And it's day number one, but I know that bill, I'm going to get a bill from these few people. It's going to add up to that. So 
that was the thing that had to you know be covered and then the rent had to be covered and then all these expenses or the bmw it cost 800 bucks a month now that our lifestyle has completely changed over the last two weeks you know we drive a 2010 honda you know, oh, wow. <laughs> you know one car instead of two you know so just overall not buying anything new you know stuff like that when you when you lower your expectations of what life can be like when you don't have all the expensive stuff when you don't pay for services when you don't have disney plus and amazon prime and netflix and hulu and all of them at the same time and you pay 100 bucks a month for your phone and you still have youtube so you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it could be as simple as that like entertainment when you take them away and you learn like fundamentally how to live with less expenses, then you don't have to work hard, you know? So it's, it's, it's the thing that gets you to work hard, which it needs to not be eliminated, but needs to be adjusted. And again, the, it's like, it's a circle, you know, life is a circle. So at the end of that circle goes back to what's really made the biggest difference for me. Although again, I was not a spender or anything like that. I see others being affected by the same thing. The, the final link in that chain was honestly social media, just being, being hooked to social media, constantly seeing other people having stuff, constantly comparing myself. Again, and I, again, I candidly say, if someone knows me, like, oh, yeah, not, not kind of that kind of person. I'm like, I get it. Yeah, I could have had my favorite car five years ago. Never got it, you know? So I'm not a bad example of it, but there are so many bad examples that... Uh, you know, it's like I cannot be a brand ambassador and say, you know, I was terrible. Now I'm great. Now yeah. I used to expend this much. I wasn't really. So I'm not a great brand ambassador or a speaker for this conversation. <laughs> but I can see that the little bits that I saw out there, it, it created that desire in me and in my wife and in others and the friends that why do they have a brand new Tesla and a brand new Mercedes? And I like, we know they're making like a third of our income. Like, how is that possible? You know, mm-hmm. and they don't even drive that Mercedes, you know, it's always parked. And I know it's a thousand bucks a month lease, you know, like things like that. I've seen cases like that so many times, or why I live in this building, you know, like what's wrong with our building, <laughs> you know? So yeah. having those conversations you have behind closed doors. Yeah. If you just learn to live with less so contentment like before we started recording this conversation i was saying that i'm just going more towards contentment and just being happy with what i have rather than you know find happiness in more you know more doesn't just mean happiness more means more work you have to just more hustle more time taken away from things that really make you find fulfillment so you have to you have to follow you have to i think maybe like experience the whole circle and realize that for me, it was social media. I said, you know what? I'm just going to quit Instagram. I'm going to quit Twitter. I'm going to quit Facebook. The only thing I'm going to do, still deal with and do less of would be LinkedIn because you barely have those conversations. You don't even see posts like that where it's all flashy, flashy. Look at me. Look at this new thing, you know, or uh, I never got hooked on TikTok anyway. So thanks God for that, you know, but it's like more of the same, you know, like, feeling less watching more and feeling less consuming more content Mm -hmm. on social media and just feeling less and less and less therefore i have to have more then what can i do i have to work harder i have to work more and more and more so i can upgrade my phone so i can look at the same video with a higher quality and feel even worse about myself (laughs) yeah it's a never-ending cycle yeah and it's like 
we're both in career development in some capacity, like you are obviously more so than I am, but it's like the golden handcuffs, right? When I got a raise at work, it was like, oh, well now we can buy another property. So we did that. And it was like, okay, well now I'm even more trapped because we need to maintain this so that we can continue to have all these properties, right? Like, and it's, it is this vicious cycle of, yes, you want to strive for more. And it's almost like this mindset shift of like striving for more can be striving for like more like internal growth than like external growth or, you know, whatever it is, like a bigger house or better cars or whatever it may be. It's just, it, it is those core, those core values, you know, but then again, when you start sharing your core values, when you even adopt co- new core values and you see that, wow, I'm quite different from other people that I know, then again, sometimes resentment sits in because we are, we're social animals. So we want to be like others. We want to be accepted. The biggest, the biggest hurdle, the biggest challenge is exactly that. You know, one thing that does make it easier for me and my wife and just, you know, for us, like we're both introverts. So if, if there's one of the biggest power of introverts is that you can actually, you know, go more inside. You can be okay with not having that external attention, that external acceptance. But that, uh, that does, that, that is a power, you know, power of finding fulfillment and contentment with what you have rather than. And I'm generalizing here, an extrovert who is looking for that acceptance externally, you know, has to express themselves to, you know what I mean? To be approved, yeah. to be brought in rather than like the other day I was telling uh, my clients and I tell this honestly, because it's the honest truth. Like I teach people to network and connect and make friends and do that for their career development, you know, and it's absolutely true. And I do that for my business and for my career business, but on a personal level, I don't find fulfillment in that. You know, I don't have a lot of friends. I don't trust a lot of people. You know, people trust me. I'm a, I give trust. So you meet me, you're immediately, you want anything, I'm, I'm going to give it to you. So I trust, people trust me to work with me. But if I see a stranger, it's like, you know, oh, you know, I'm not going to, you know, like I work out alone. I don't have a workout partner, you know, things like that. Yeah. You know, and it's a lot of things against societal expectations and the surroundings. So like having grown up more like, again, I was born in Iran. So worked, you know, grew up in a third world country, very family oriented, uh, more family than outsiders. So very, you stay inside the family and then spend another 15 years in Canada. So then have to learn everything else and then six seven years in the u.s bit more repelling from one another it's like uh, positive and negative uh, ions kind of like you ping you bounce from one another but now that we moved here in new zealand like i see that just over the last two months month and a half really it is different it's like you see a lot of i i i feel that pull from other people you know so culture is so different so it requires adjustment you know, it's, I don't want to say strange, but it's new to me to go on a doggy walk and stop with everybody to have a conversation. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. So like everybody's yeah. saying hi to each other. So I'm like, okay, yeah, that's, that's just different here. You know, so I need to adjust myself with that. Am I comfortable with it? No, because it's not normal to me yet. You know, I didn't spend the last 20 years or last three, four years walking a dog and saying hi to other people with dogs. Right. That's just weird. You know, yeah. so if, I, if I do that in LA, it's like, what do you want from me? Like, I'm just going to go across the street because, you know, I, I, 
that's a sketchy guy, you know, maybe he's, he's got a few screws loose, you know, here it is an expectation of you and you just wait, or we have a little school here, little elementary school. Nice. Kids love Belfies. Like everybody has to come over. They're like, oh, huggy him. And, you know, so it's like, you know, I'm talking to the parents. It's like super cool. But like those are brand new experiences for me where I'm learning to trust. You know, I'm learning to just give my time to others for the sake of nothing, you know. So it's like just right. knowing each other, making friends or our neighbors. Like the other day we were talking about how neighbors, I know all my neighbors here. They know us. We talk. But it's like that's not like that, you know, where I spent the last couple of decades. So societal expectations, societal norms is a big part of it. I know I hate comparing. I know I'm comparing countries and places and cultures right now. I hate to do that. But for, for the sake of an example, I think it kind of like makes sense because a lot of times I hear people say, oh, back home, it's not like that. Or back home, it's like this. You know, we kind of like naturally compare things positive and negative to where we come from and kind of like authentically I'm doing this right now. So, so it's like if you go to a new environment and expectations in that environment is different. We naturally like to be like that, you know, whether positive or negative. I mean, positive and negative are relevant, relative anyways. It depends on where you're sitting when you're judging that picture, just like yeah. what I'm doing right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm conscious of it. I know what I'm doing. And some people may not like that, but just for the sake of, you know, understanding what this journey called life is that we're going through, uh, you either have to change your environment and I know that's challenging, but sometimes you literally have to go leave the North Pole and go live in the South Pole, just completely opposite sides of the planet or a different state. You know, you might be more of an East Coast person than a West Coast person. You might be more of a Toronto person than a Vancouver person. There's big truth to that. I hate to say it's as easy as that, but it's as easy as that. But mm -hmm. otherwise, if you're staying where you are and you know that, okay, like everybody here... I live in Oakville and the average price of a house is at $1.5 million and I need to stay here. My family's here. Then I have to work hard to be able to maintain my lifestyle. Everybody drives a German car, so I have to have a BMW. <laughs> I get that. So just make sure you're doing it consciously so you are working yourself harder than you're supposed to and you're unhappy at the end of the day. You have to do the uh, you know hours of uh, late late work hours and early mornings for for something you know so you know what that something is because I feel like a lot of times when problems occur is the day that you're waking up super early or going to bed super late working hard having forgotten what you're why you're doing this having forgotten your why you know because yeah. I don't think anyone would complain work complain about working hard. So that your son or daughter can go to a good school. No parent would ever complain about that. And right. they'll do it happily. You know what I mean? So it's not that. It's when you're like, why am I working hard? <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, we both have an income. We don't have we don't have kids like for us. You know, we have a dog. We don't have any bad habits. We don't, you know, we don't party. We don't have, we don't buy certain things that cost extras. Like, what are we going to do with this extra money? You know, we don't have much debt. You know, we have a couple of credit cards. So a lot of people fall under that category and they're just working hard for the sake of working hard, just putting up, a, you know, to be a little bit better than others, you know? Uh, and that's, I, I don't like that because I was that person, you know, I was yeah. that person for many years. It's like, okay, well, you're making hundred thousand a year in your business. I make 150, you know, or this guy drives, uh, you know, 
high-end Volkswagen, well, I've got a BMW or, you know, like it's always being a little bit better because that makes us feel better or that's the illusion, but who cares, you know, just get in a car, you know, don't find happiness in what you drive, you know, or like Gary Vee would say, don't, don't define happiness, but what your materials make you look like, like it, whatever it makes you feel like you drive a BMW because how it makes you feel or how it makes you look. Oh, that's amazing. Most yeah. of the people say, oh, no, I like the insides. The seats are so comfortable. I, everything is touched. You know, bullshit. You know, don't come on now. <laughs> you, you like the BMW because of the status it gives you, you know. So it right. takes a lot of self-awareness and a lot of, you got to be really humble and honest with yourself. Like have this conversation with yourself in a closed room by yourself alone. It is. I'd be surprised if one or two people out of every 10 actually like what it's inside or it's the car itself i mean you're gonna have to be working for bmw at that point you know right. or you're gonna have to be german i don't know like one of those two things you know? <laughs> it's, it's like there is something deeply rooted between you and the brand either it's a brand you grew up with you know like your dad and grandfather they all had mercedes benzes and you grew up as a little kid playing with one you know driving in one i get the emotional connection or you work for the company Aside from that, you need a vehicle that gets you from point A to B, you know? So yeah. that's it. Get the cheapest yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah. buy it, Lisa. You know? so, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not much of a car person either. So for me, it's like I drive a 2010 Toyota and I'm content with it. It gets me exactly from A to B. But um, yeah. my last question is, so for me... What I didn't realize, because we had just been kind of like, we had kind of lost touch. And then I messaged you to see how New Zealand was going. And we started like talking again. And when you told me you're only working five hours a day now, it like blew my mind. Because when I knew you, like when I was working with you, it was more like 12 to 15 hour days. And um, I'm finding that for me, as I'm kind of working out of workaholism, <laughs> I... I still have that like loud inner critic constantly harping away. Like you should be doing more. You should do this. So what do you do to quiet that? Does your inner critic still harp away or has the lifestyle of New Zealand really helped to facilitate this like change into more an easeful life? Yeah. Great question. And uh, I'm going to have to talk about that environment again. The environment is big. It's huge. Mm. If you don't believe it, go and sleep outside tonight. The environment has a big <laughs> impact. Like take a blanket, go and sleep in the backyard on, on the wet grass. So the environment is, is the thing, you know, it's like the major thing. Sometimes it's not Southern or Northern hemisphere. It's like, okay, I want to go from tr Toronto, an hour drive North, go to Barrie, change my environment. You know, was, you know what? I, I hate the, the weather in, in Toronto. It's changing every two seconds. It's getting really hot and humid. I'm just going to go to Vancouver. I'm going to go to Northern Alberta. So it's just change your environment, change your, change the type of people. Cause with that, the people change, expectations change, seasons change, like so many things, like physical things that can touch change that has to be on top of that list. Uh, but uh, I want to also agree with that. The voice is still there. You know, I was telling like, I was telling you about my conversation with Adam this morning, another coach. I was telling him the same thing. Like the voices is still there. It was there for him too. It's from the UK. It's, it's like, yeah, like the voices is still there. I want to try to work less. 
And he's going through the process of automating his coaching business because he's still doing one-on-ones. And you, I don't, I'm not planning to get rid of the voice because I think that will be just unnatural. The voice would naturally go away when the time comes. You know, when I have graduated, you know, <laughs> from when I've quit, when I've quit, you know, I've, I've left it behind. Just the feeling will not be there. It's like drinking alcohol. Uh, I calculated the other day. It's been 1,000, like 1,050 days wow. that I haven't drank. And it's like, I don't think about it. You know, I don't, mm. it's, it's not even a remote thought that, you know, even people drinking in front of me, I'm like, it used to be a challenge, but long time ago, not anymore. Going to bars and stuff. Uh, the pandemic helped stay away from the restaurants and stuff these days. It's like, no, it's not a challenge anymore. You know, it's, it's not even a thing, like not even a challenge. I'm not going to give it the label. It's just not a thing. So with, with workaholism and the, the, the inside voices, they're still going to be there. It still doesn't feel good. You know, quitting anything is not going to feel good. If it's felt good, then you're not really quitting it. You know, you didn't have never had it to start with. So the voices are still there. The biggest thing that has helped me is to let other people know that I'm working. Like my clients know that. Like previously, I would tell them, hey, just, I know we have the two-hour Q&A call every day. I know we're doing two hours of, you know, workshops every day on Zoom. But if you have any other questions, to make sure you email me, you know. Make sure, you know, I want to help you as best as I can. And I would do it out of love. You know, I was like, I really want to help Connie get a job tomorrow, you know. Yeah. So just yeah. message me today. If it's 12 o'clock, it's okay. I'm up at 3, so I'll answer you in three hours. No, I don't say that. I don't, I don't brand myself as a workaholic. That's big. I don't talk about myself as someone who sounds like a workaholic. You know, that's not what service, no longer service means that. Because then that's a selling point for a lot of coaches and consultants. You text me, I text you back, you know. You email me before you send, send. I'm gonna, I'm already writing my responses, you know. You're thinking about it. I'm writing your response here the way you're thinking. It's like, that's a selling point. And people fall for it. It's like, yeah. So I can message you at any time. Yeah, it's like okay, I'm hired. You're hired. <laughs> yeah. People want access. You know, you call customer service. You want them to pick up. So that's that's service. You know, like we equate responsiveness with quality of service. I don't do that anymore. You know. Wow. You know, <laughs> that's a big one for me because I sold that to everybody and I lived up to it. Humbly, I did a good job at it and everybody else does it. I can see it, them being available and always there. Uh, so I don't brand myself as a workaholic anymore, as someone who's responsive. And I tell people, it's like, yeah, it might take a day or two for me to get back to you. So just be aware of that, you know, be okay with that. And I don't like, and again, on top of that, I don't answer my emails right away because, you know, you get the, first of all, the, you know, no notifications. The only social media I have is LinkedIn. So no social media apps. Finally did that. You know, I know LinkedIn is social media, but I call it more like a professional network than a social network because social is like the same level with like poison, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right now, like information poisoning. So I don't do that. I don't, I make sure I don't respond. Sometimes I get the urge of, oh, this person wants to hire me. That literally, he's literally saying, how do I pay you? Can't wait to start. How do I pay you? Well, okay, I'll message him back tomorrow. <laughs> you, know? you know what I wow. mean? Normally, I would be like, here's the link. Sign up right now. Did you sign up? <laughs> you <know? laughs> Text them. Did you get my email? Like, how can I have, how else can I help you? I don't do that anymore. And I haven't lost anyone for it, you know, because the, the fear is like, well, this person's going to like 
sign up with someone else if I don't respond to him at this point, or, you know, I'm definitely losing this customer if I don't get back to their email today. And you may lose some people and that's fine, but you know, you just got to see that, that, that is opposite of uh, what you actually wanted. So knowing what you want and, you know, kind of like documenting it, writing everything down, like, this is what I want and act actively practicing it. So don't respond to that email right away. You and I had talked about this a long time ago, train people how to treat you. I know I've had this conversation with you, but I never did it. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. never successful at it, you know, but like I'm in the process of it's only been, uh, you know, it's a one month project of training people how to treat me. You know, mm. you're not, you can't get back. I can't get back. Not, not that I can't, can't get back to you. I don't tell people, you know, I just, upfront i don't let them know that i'm going to be responsive within a day but in the in sense of the common expectations that i set is that you know a 24-hour response it's what the average response would be there could be days that i get back to you within a couple of days if it's weekend i'm not i'm not online i'm not available on the weekend so don't expect back to hear from me on the weekend and that is pretty much it so the weekend work completely done i don't turn on my computer at all which never happened you know a computer would yeah, stay on yes exactly or it's com completely on just 24 7 now i just literally actually i actually go and click on shut down you wow know, it's like, i notice when i go to shut down i'm like i remember you i used yeah. to always go to sleep you know and i never go to that just like turned off the monitor you know now i actually close down all the windows like i notice that like literally that's the thing i notice because I bet you no one does that. If you're a workaholic, you got tabs open. Those tabs are always open, you know, because you know you want to go back to those tabs tomorrow. I'm getting to the habits of just closing everything, shut down. You know? so wow. It's so fulfilling to That's shut down your computer, you know? That's amazing. It's, it's crazy because literally, like, a year ago, we were in totally different places. You were in, like, a completely different place than this, like, working crazy. I remember being like, go to sleep. Like you cannot like sustain <laughs> this because yeah. you're getting up at like three working out until like doing your, all your like morning rituals until like six or whatever. And then working until, yeah, it was insane. And so, yeah. And fun stopped at 6am, you know, that helped energize you mentally, morally to, to do more work, but that, that wasn't a fix. It was, it was just a bandaid because I still do that stuff, you know? We still go to sleep early, like eight, nine, we're asleep. Like we don't watch TV. We don't binge like Netflix. Like a lot of that stuff has really slowed down as well. We don't have Prime anymore. We don't have Disney Plus anymore. We don't have, uh, wow. we have our Netflix because it came free with the internet. You know, we don't binge YouTube videos anymore. So certain things have just stopped. So we still like, that's not a new habit. We still go to bed early and get up early. Not every morning I wake up at three. Today it was like four. You know, for a few, there, there are nights and like the weekend, we went to this like gathering and everything. We came here, came home late, like 11, 12. I think I slept till eight. I was like, wow. wow. <laughs> like that was a new thing. It's like, you know, yeah. you just sleep extra. You don't have to do it every day. The morning rituals and everything is still there. The evening rituals, you know, pretty much the same. I've done it so, so much. So I don't journal in the evening every day because I don't, I don't have much to journal about these things, you know, it's like, because most of my journal is like planning for tomorrow, you know, so, because it's basically, what did you do today? What went well? What didn't go well? 
what could you have done to make the things that didn't go well better? So how can you avoid making the same, same mistakes? That's the framework. But since I'm working less, I don't have much to write down. I'm like, yeah, great. We walked a couple of times with Delphi. I walked a couple of hours. My diet is on point. Like, you know, I'm eating healthy. Had a little bit of grocery shopping to do. I did that. And, you know, I sent five emails today. <laughs> it's like, there's not much happening, Yeah. you know? So it's just, that's really cool. And uh, we have one car. So I drive my wife to work. I pick her up. That whole is a, a that's part of the new ritual. It's just pretty cool. Like 10 minute drive there, 10 minute back. I take Belfie with me. I take my dog with me every time. You know, we get there earlier. We go for a little walk around the hospital. Like, you know, if we get there a little bit earlier and stuff like that. Just worrying less about work. Because a lot of times, even those morning rituals and evening rituals, a lot of it is for work to make work better and more efficient like more productive for me to actually be able to perform for 12 hours you know what i mean so i still do that but i don't have to perform for 12 hours i have to perform for five hours so i'm actually being more productive you know what i mean so it's it is it is smarter to work that way and i know it takes time for you to get here it takes a lot of failures and experiencing workaholism to want to come out of it but yeah it's just better because right now after this, I'm going to have lunch, call my brother, and I really don't have anything to do this afternoon, but maybe, you know, just organize, you know, deal with my OCD. And that's it. At three, <laughs> at three, just uh, go to go to gym for an hour, come back, go for a walk with my dog and go pick up my wife. And that's it. You know, we're home at like 5.15. You know, she's also not working extra. She used to be six days a week, sometimes seven days a week. 12 hour days. She's down to five days a week, like seven and a half, eight hour days. Yeah. So like our time together used to be, used to start at like seven, seven thirty when she would get home. And like, there is no, there isn't like, that's it. Sleep, eat and sleep. That's it. Shower, yeah. eat, sleep. But right now we're home at like five 30, five 15, five 30. We have so much to do, you know? We yeah. have three hours to spend together. And uh, just we're, so we're both going through overcoming workaholism. And Amazing. the whole, uh, yeah, the, the Western way of living, you know, we're leaving that behind. Uh, wow. That's amazing. That is so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for everything you shared. So many like little gold nuggets of wisdom in here. Of course. Thanks for uh, having this conversation. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's show. To learn more about me, check out my Instagram at it's Connie Lee. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Or you can visit my website at visionaryvirtualagency.com. I would love to hear from you. So please feel free to leave a comment, review, or share this with anyone you think may enjoy it. Hope you tune into the next episode.